Um, we have Jacob saying that his son is still alive and he's going to go see him before he dies. You can imagine what a shock this is in Jacob's life for 20 years. He's grieved and mourned his deceased favorite son and his deceased favorite son is alive and ruler in Egypt. Just an amazing turn of events from his perspective. And so we see him coming to Egypt. Uh, chapter 46, verses 1 to 7. So Israel set out with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. God spoke to Israel in visions out of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. He said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will surely bring you up again. And Joseph will close your eyes. And Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob and their little ones and their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry them. They took their livestock and their property, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and came to Egypt. Jacob and all his descendants with him, his sons and his grandsons with him, his daughters and his granddaughters, and all of his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. So, uh, they set out with their stuff, comes to Beersheba, they're in the south of Palestine, and offers sacrifices to God, and what does God do? Response. <laughs> yeah. God speaks to him. God, um, you know, communicates with Jacob after he's worshipped God. And what does he say to Jacob? Go. Yeah. It's okay to go to Egypt. In fact, do that. Don't be afraid to go down. For that's where I will make you a great nation. I'll go down with you to Egypt. I'll bring you up again. So this is offering reassurance and comfort to Jacob about this uh, move. Um, why do you think that was important? Well, God just told him to go where he was in the first place, and now he's leaving. So. so he wouldn't know that God would want him to go there if God didn't communicate that. Do you remember a time, times that his, he and his family have gone places that they shouldn't? What about when Abraham first came into the Promised Land? Remember where he went immediately thereafter? Egypt. He went to Egypt because of? Famine. Famine. And no indication that God was pleased with that. And Jacob himself, we looked at, earlier when he came back to the promised land he went to Shechem but evidently he should have gone to Bethel where he promised to thank God and offer a tenth and worship and so forth there are times when Jacob and his ancestors haven't gone where where God wanted them to it's important for Jacob to know that God wants him to go here and that God will be with him Willie, this then kind of encircles Jacob's life with the promises of God. Promises that God would, would be with him and would make him a great nation. Uh, just as Abraham's life was ringed by those promises, so is Jacob's. And now he knows he's got not only God's approval, but God's personal escort. 
God's going to go down with him and he's going to bring his family back up in time. And so they all go. Their whole families and uh, their livestock and, and all of that come down to Egypt. Comments and questions? Going back to Genesis 31, when Jacob is leaving Laban's camp, basically, you know, he, um, the Lord, in verse 3, the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. Yes. And so it's the same kind yes. of, okay, you're going the right direction, go there, that's all as well. Yes. And I'm thinking that there was another one between here and there, but I couldn't find it. So. Okay. Yeah. We, I mean, that's the thing you want, is God to be with you. You know, if he's not going to go with you, you don't want to go. <laughs> uh, that's for sure. All, you might also look at this phrase. It's all over the Bible and in several places in Genesis, this idea of do not fear. You know, the idea of the, you know, God reassuring and comforting, you know, his people. And the biggest reason not to fear would always be that the Lord is with us and is blessing us. That, that takes away fear. If God's with us, then we're in good shape. But he has a future here, too. God's going to bring him up again. This is going to be a relatively temporary stay in Egypt. It'll last a while. But this is not God's permanent home for his people. That's clear. And Jacob understands that. Other thoughts? Of course, God's plan included slavery and everything else in that building of the nation. Yeah. And before he brought him back up. Good point. Which, you know, you read this and it's like, yeah, go down there and I'll be with you. And, you know, so if I read something like that, oh, well, it's going to be a vacation. It's going to be a nice, <laughs> you know, so maybe we get that idea today. You know, God's with us. So everything's going to be nice and pleasant and all those things. God's with us, therefore you'll never be cast into the fiery furnace. Is that what we ought to think? <laughs> no? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Well, uh, he, the, the statement he makes about Joseph closing his eyes would indicate he's going to die in peace. Yes. Which he did. Uh-huh. Yeah, he did. But his family ends up being enslaved and so forth. I think what you see is God will be with us in adversity. He doesn't exempt us from adversity. You know, um, and you see a lot of examples of that. And so when, when you know God's with you, it doesn't mean that nothing difficult will happen. It just means you can trust the Lord in those situations. Yeah, I mean, certainly the whole oppression and all that was part of God's plan. You know, so that they would want to leave. So Absolutely. So, so they wouldn't settle down there. Yeah. Right. And the other thing, this... When you read this, it almost sounds like, you know, I guess the Bible uses this language a lot, but it sounds like he's telling uh, Jacob, you go down and you will leave. But obviously it wasn't him personally that would leave from, <laughs> from Egypt, at least not alive. <laughs> yes. So. Good point. He, he could have been confused by that, couldn't he? <laughs> the other thing is the rest of the Israelites apparently forgot this because even when you know when they were being oppressed you know where's God and then when God sent the deliverer to get them out of here like he had promised well what are you you know who are you and what are you trying to do and leave us alone so 
prolonged uh, distress tends to erode our confidence in God. Should, but it does tend to do that. In verse four, do we know if the the U's are plural or singular? I don't have any idea. What, what, what was the question? If in verse four the U's are plural or singular? Oh. It doesn't say you all. I need my. <laughs> I, need, I, I, I it doesn't say all y'all, so I'm not sure. I, I need my Portuguese Bible. But. Uh, English just has some deficiencies. <laughs> Our ambiguous U is one of them. Yeah. Cameron. Um, can I figure out what I Oh, yeah. Um, when it starts out the chapter, it says, So Israel, using the name that God gave him. But then when God calls him, he says, Jacob, Jacob. Is there a reason why he's calling him Jacob again? Well, I don't know. I mean, it might be that it is a recognition of the fact he hasn't totally Israelized himself yet. You know, that he still acts like a Jacob some. But I'm not sure if you can just say every time he uses that, you can see a specific reason right then why he would have called him Jacob, and right before that it would have been Israel or something. So, Verse 5, the, the sons of Israel carried Jacob, <laughs> yeah. their father. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, kind of. That's funny. Yeah. He's, he's using them interchangeably in the text. Right. Other comments or questions? Yes, Ken. He's also, um, Jacob here is kind of confused and wondering, is Joseph really alive? He's not completely sure. Like, he, he believes him, but... I don't think he'd be completely sure on that because he hasn't seen him forever. And God tells him, Joseph is there. He's going to close your eyes when you die. Mm -hmm. And he tells him that he's going to be able to see him again. So he's comforting him in that. Yeah, that would have been reassuring. And uh, you can imagine the excitement he had taking this trip that he never thought he would take. Mm -hmm. Wow. Remember when not long before he said, all th these things are against me. You know, little do we know. Sometimes the, the, it's the darkest right before the dawn. Other thoughts? Well, 8 to 27. You can do what you want to with these names. <laughs> now these are the names of the sons of Israel, Jacob and his sons, who went to Egypt. Reuben, Jacob's firstborn. The sons of Reuben, Hanak and Palu, and Hezron and Carmi. The sons of Simeon, Jemuel, and Jamin, and Ohad, and Jacob, and Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. The sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The sons of Judah, Er, and Onan, and Shelah, and Perez, and Zerah. But Er and Onan died in the land of Canaan. And the sons of Perez were Hezron and Hamul. The sons of Issachar, Tola, and Puvah, and Iob and Shimrorai, the sons of Zebulun, Sarid and Elon and Jaliel. These are the sons of Leah, whom she bore to Jacob in Padan Aaron with his daughter Dinah. All his sons and his daughters numbered 33. The sons of Gad, Ziphion and Haggai, Shuni and Esbon, Eri and Ariad and Eri. Erelai. The sons of Asher, 
Imna and Ishba and Ishvi and Berei and their sister Sarah and the sons of Berei, Heber and Malkiel. Malkiel. These are the sons of Zilpah, whom Laban gave to his daughter Leah, and she bore to Jacob these sixteen persons. The sons of Jacob's wife Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin. Now to Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim, whom Aseneth, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of Arm, bore to him. The sons of Benjamin, Bella and Becker and Ashbel, Gera and Naam, Eha and Rosh, Mopim and Hopim and Art. These are the sons of Rachel, who were born to Jacob. There were fourteen persons in all. The sons of Dan, Husham, the sons of Naphtali, Jehaziel, and Guni, and Jezer, and Shilam. These are the sons of Bilhah, who Laban bore, who Laban gave to his daughter Rachel, and she bore these to Jacob. There were seven persons in all. All the persons belonging to Jacob who came to Egypt, his direct descendants, not including the wives of Jacob's sons, were sixty-six persons in all. And the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two. All the persons of the house of Jacob who came to Egypt were seventy. Well, this is who came. And uh, gives you lots of uh, good names for your future children. <laughs> including names for your twins in verse 21, Mopim and Hopim. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well... What all do you see in his listing these people who came with Jacob? What are some of the observations you'd have about that? He mentions Joseph like twice and his sons who aren't with them coming down. He mentions them still. Yes, Joseph's there. He doesn't really accompany Jacob, but Joseph and his sons uh, are there, Manasseh and Ephraim. Good point. How does he categorize these uh, these these that came with him? By wives. By wives, which really kind of accentuates the problem in Jacob's whole family. Everything's kind of divided up by wife. <laughs> and did you notice the numbers? Uh, Leah's uh, family was how many? Thirty-three. And her handmaid Zilpah had how many? 16. So 33 for Leah, 16 for her handmaid. Rachel had how many? 14. And her handmaid, uh, Bilhah? 7. 7. So Leah, 33, her handmaid, 16. Rachel, 14, her handmaid, 7. What do you see in that? They have like half as many. Yeah, roughly half as many. Uh, and when you add all this up, well, what do you get? 70. 70. However, what does he say you get in verse 26? 66. 66 in all. Now, if you have 70, how do you get 66 in all? 66 descendants, and then there's the four wives. No, but good guess. <laughs> Three wives and Jacob. I don't think that's the best explanation either. Jo Joseph? Joseph and his two sons and Jacob himself. That's, I think, what we've got. We've got 66 that go with Jacob into the land. Jacob's not accounted in the 66 that go with him, and then you've got the three that are already there, Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim. I think that's the best explanation. 
there are some other options. So is this counting the wives or not? Um, you know, that's a good question. I don't think so. Okay. But I'm not sure. It mentions Joseph's wife, but she would be another one who's already there. Let me think about that a second. Let's see. Does that count the wives? Uh, we got 30 and 40. No, I don't think it does. Okay. I think we're thinking in terms of his offspring. In fact, here's the note I have. I guess this is right. I haven't added it up recently. But these 70 include 12 sons, 53 grandsons, one granddaughter, and four great-grandsons. Those are what are mentioned in this list. You know, and, and the other thing is, you know, do we really have any reason to know that any of those wives would have come with him? Well, verse 26 says it doesn't include the wives of Jacob's sons. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, good point. And, I mean, what about those wives? Rachel did not. We know Rachel didn't make the trip. Why not? She's dead. She died quite a while ago. So I don't know about the others. But we know she did. So those are the ones that go down with him. Do you think there's any uh, significance, perhaps, in the total amount down there being 70? God intended for them to be there. Yes. What about 70? It's a multiple of seven. Yes. And? God likes the number. Yes. And? It's all of them. It's complete. Yes. And? Tell us. <laughs> well, think about it a minute. What other 70s do you have in the Bible? AD. <laughs> I had not thought of that. That's pretty creative. <laughs> That's quick too. 70 elders. With their thumbs 70 elders. Yeah, there was that. 70 donkeys and the sons that, the grandsons that were on them. Yeah. Uh, maybe so. That's not what I was thinking about. But that's probably this true. Or somewhere else. Well, think about this. Here, the 70 elders are interesting. What about the 70 nations that were descended from Noah in Genesis 10? Mm. And what about Jesus sending out the 70 in Luke 10? <coughs> Is 70, by, especially from Genesis 10, would that be sort of representing all humanity? And is God sort of, you know, using Israel as kind of the world in microcosm? You know, it, it, I, I wonder if there's not something, you know, that, like there were 70 nations descended from Noah, so there's 70, you know, offspring that represent Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, maybe that, maybe not. Maybe this is just, you know, coincidental. But it is interesting that you've got 70 in some key things, and Jesus sending out the 70. Ultimately, Jesus wants them to go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So, I think there may be something to that, but I don't know for sure. Other thoughts? And the sons of Perez, well, Perez very well could have been Judah's grandson, not his actual son, I guess. You know, it was from his daughter-in-law's, it was his daughter-in-law's Perez and Zira. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, really, Jacob was kind of the age of a great-great-grandfather. And 
Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you do in this situation. You become your own grandpa pretty soon, so. <laughs> yeah, but you're right, they were his sons and his grandsons. Now, does the Bible say there were 70 nations from Noah, or no, you counted them? We count. Okay. And the Jews made a big deal about that. Okay. But no, the, it, it, it never sums them and says that. Okay. But that, that I believe, I'm. I think that's why they had 70 on the Sanhedrin. I could be wrong about that, but I think it is. And the Jews did. They they really made a big deal about there being 70. 70 even depends a little bit on how you count them in Genesis 10. You know, there's a couple of ambiguous things that you'd have to count the right way. Really reasonable way to count them, but, but there are a couple question marks about that. Other thoughts? While we're talking about seven, wasn't Rachel's maid had seven descendants you said earlier? Uh huh, I did. Does that have any significance? Might. For the 14 of Rachel? Might. Yeah, might. There's all sorts of things. I mean, we looked at Genesis, you know, five with all the sevens, and, you know, all through the first five chapters, concluding with the fact that Lamech, father of Noah, was 777 when he died. You know, some of those things may be coincidentally, you have to die at some age. But you get enough of those and you start thinking, I bet you the Lord had in mind to tell us something about that. So you can do with that what you want. All right, 28 to 34. Now he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out the way before him to Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen. Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as he appeared before him, he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a long time. Then Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face, that you are still alive. <coughs> Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh, and will say to him, My brothers and my father's household, who are in the land of Canaan, have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for they have been keepers of livestock, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. When Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation? You shall say, Your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth, even until now, both we and our fathers, that you may live in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is loathsome to the Egyptians. So who sort of takes the lead in guiding Jacob and family to Egypt? Judah. Judah. Is that significant? Thank you. <laughs> Why? Well, Judah's prominent, like... That's one thing, and clearly was the son to whom the promise passed. What else? He was the one who admitted uh, when, when they were in Egypt and uh, went to Joseph and begged him to take his place. That's correct. Because he was accountable for Benjamin. That's correct. He sold Joseph. You know, he was the one that had played the leading role in oh. suggesting the sale of Joseph, mm -hmm. separating father and son. Now he takes a leading role in reuniting them. You wonder if that's not appropriate specifically. Um, so he does. He guides them there. And of course, wow, can you imagine what it must have been like when Joseph and Jacob see each other? Uh, just, wow, emotion that you couldn't describe. And in fact, once Jacob has seen Joseph, what does he say? He's ready to die. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, like, this is the fulfillment of any dream, wildest dream, wildest imagination he could have had. What else is there now? He's seen him. Remember anybody else in the Bible who said he was ready to die after seeing someone? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Simeon. Simeon yeah. in the temple in Luke 2. Yeah, it's kind of like, once you, once you reach this point, you know, everything's going to be downhill from here. The truth, though, is that... Jacob lives for another 17 years, matching the time he spent with Joseph prior to his sake. And uh, Joseph gives them some advice, said, you know, we're going to go to Pharaoh and talk to him. And when Pharaoh tells you, or asks you what your occupation is, what does he want them to say? Shepherd. Because when they tell Pharaoh they're shepherds, what is that going to mean for Pharaoh and the Egyptians. They'll be separated. Yeah, they really don't like shepherds. <laughs> and they don't really don't want to live around them. They consider them sort of unclean or whatever. And so they're, he's going to bless them with the land of Goshen. Really, it was a good land for shepherds, so it was good for them. But it also got them away from the Egyptians, who really had a hard time dealing with, you know, people taking care of flocks and herds. And, and, and in all of that, by God you know, working it out, that they end up in the land of Goshen, it turned out to be a great blessing for them. Why? Yes, it kept them separated from the Egyptians. They don't need any more, you know, cross-pollination with pagans than what they've already had. Can you think of another thing that was good about them getting this special land of Goshen. Maybe not so emphasized in the text. But it was a good land, wasn't it? It was a good land. So like part of the best of Egypt. Yes. In, in terms of what they wanted, yes. Well, they could worship God. Yes. If, without uh, the uh, interruption by the Egyptians. Which is an important thing. What else? They can multiply. Yeah. Where was Goshen? side of Egypt. Yes, kind of on the northeast side of Egypt, which means it was closer to Canaan, closer to Canaan when they got ready to flee. Mm -hmm. Now, the text never makes that point, but we can see that geographically, and you know, you would assume that probably was an advantage to them. Uh, I think the bigger advantage was just keeping them more distant from the Egyptians to where they're not as influenced by them in a negative way. It's really better if the world excludes you. You know, we're all the time laboring for acceptance and, and friendship and popularity and really the best thing we could have is the world kind of shuts us off and, and excludes us from their company. It's really probably a, more of a blessing to us and safer for us. We, we have, really have a lot more to fear when the world likes us than when the world hates us, I think. Comments and questions? Back, back to uh, Jacob. He had said when he thought Joseph was dead that he'd go down to his grave mourning. I, I, and I think that there's a completely different picture of him on in, in this. I, I don't know that he is, he is saying that uh, there, uh, that he really wants to die right no. then. No, right. Good. 
Well, I, I, I just think he is so overjoyed right. that uh, he can die in peace now. Exactly. Yes, exactly. He's been spared to the high point of his life. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. I don't think he's trying to die, but he's just saying, you know, this has been a great blessing. Now I can die. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've seen this. Uh, not that he's wanting to precipitate his demise. I suspect he thought he was going to die soon. You know, he wasn't, but, you know, a lot of times we think we are before we are. So, I don't know if that's happened to any of you guys. Uh, probably um, Logan and Cameron a couple of times, and so they're misadventures. Were they, they were actually shepherds, weren't they? The Israelites, yes. Because the way he says it almost sounds like what well, you should say. No, that. no. You just tell them what your occupation is, and that'll okay. do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he wasn't saying to make something up. Okay. <laughs> it seems kind of odd. It's like, welcome to Egypt, and go tell them, and they'll, they'll loathe you. <laughs> <laughs> In a nice way. Oh, <laughs> oh good. <laughs> yeah. We can't stand you in a nice way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You really stink, but we really like you being here. Go over there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think your point of that, and, and of course his point about the idea of the separation of the nation of Israel and God wanting us to be a separate people today, that, is, that really is a, a challenge to us in the world in which we live because, like you say, we want to be accepted we want our children to be accepted. And so we end up doing things that actually uh, comp end up compromising our relationship with the Lord. So I, 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 I really think it's important for us to, to teach our children, our young people, the need to be separate, not to be obnoxious, but to recognize that the world didn't, li didn't like Jesus. And they're not going to like us either. And he told us that. It's a fundamental biblical principle all through the Bible. It, unfortunately, it, it's not what we want to hear. <laughs> you know, we want to think that we can be friends of the world and friends of God at the same time. But Jesus said, friend, or the Bible says, friendship with the world's enmity with God. I mean, you know, when the world likes us and when we become really close to the world, the world is not with the Lord. The closer we get to the world, the farther away we're going to be from the Lord. Sarah? It just occurred to me, do you have this parallel, your, your Joseph Jesus parallel about the, let it, you know, I've seen your face now so I'm ready to die kind of thing? No, I don't, but that's, that's cool. When yeah. an old man saw my face, he said, okay, I'll die now. Yeah, that's cool, okay. <laughs> Probably make it prettier, you know. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought about that. I don't Ever. get that. I don't, I don't know what you're saying. Well, when Simeon. I know what Simeon said, but yeah. what? what well, I have a list of like the parallels between Jesus and Joseph. Gotcha. This would be another one. There's just so many cool parallels that are really remarkable. But that's cool. So he wasn't telling them to kill him. No, no, no. He's just saying, now that I've seen this, now I can die in peace. You know, now now I've, I've reached my goal. You know, the goal he didn't even know he had. I can die happy now. Yeah. yeah if he dies now, it'll still be okay. Other thoughts? 
um, 1 through 12. Then Joseph went in and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my 